Hello and welcome to the Activist Podcast, brought to you by Vegan FTA, vegan for the animals. I'm your host, Gareth Skirt, and I will be joined by my wonderful co-host and wife, Jackie Norman. In this episode, we have the incredible Patrick Baboumian. Some of our listeners may recognize Patrick from his role in the Game Changers documentary, or his career as a strongman and bodybuilder. Despite being one of the world's strongest men, Patrick considers his true strength to be his compassion, and today he shares why that is with us. He also talks about his new form of creative activism in Earthraiser, an animal rights-centered comic book now available worldwide at earthraiser.com. We hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did, and be sure to check out our social media pages at VeganFTA on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, where you can also find the series in video format. Awesome. I'm, I'm super happy uh, as well. I just uh, a minute ago read the, um, the questions and um, I, I, could, um, I could read the appreciation uh, for, um, for what we are doing through the questions. So, so I'm super happy to, to, to have this interview. It's wonderful to have you uh, on board with our activist series. And uh, the whole point of our activist series is to help to encourage people to get more active in the vegan movement um, in a way that however fits them best. So, um, you know, every single one of us has a skill, some kind of strength um, that we can use to help to make the world a better place. So your latest project, however, we were so excited to, to you know, see this, um, but it's something that many people wouldn't expect from the world's strongest vegan. Um, and yet it's such a brilliant example of, uh, of creative activism, you know, which is a wonderful and a very different form of activism. So um, I've got to ask because this was, you know, I've been following you for a while and I don't know where I've been under a rock or something but how, how long have you been a comic book fan <laughs> uh, well um, actually the my, my thing that i have with with comic book characters started when i was very very young um let, let me think so so i am um, you maybe know um that, that i lost my dad pretty early um i lost my dad when i was four years old um now i have memories of being terrified by uh, watching the hulk tv series with Lou Ferrigno back in the day with my dad and my mom. So that's like, that must have been before I was four, right? Because he died then. Um, and uh, what I can remember very vividly is that um, every, every time that he would hulk out, you know, when, when you would have this transformation uh, of Bruce Banner into the Hulk, of course, I mean, I was probably three years old, so it would completely terrify me. Um, and I would be under the table and my parents being on both sides watching TV, and I would be screaming and running under the table to to both of them and trying to <laughs> trying to kind of find some uh, you know some some uh, safety um, in them defending me from this monster that I was seeing. That you know I was three years old. I didn't know that that's a, just a TV thing, and you know the monster is not real. So <laughs> so that's basically my earliest memories that are connected to comic book characters. So um, yeah, I have a thing with comics <laughs> that goes way back, and uh, and and a special thing with with the Hulk actually. And then later on, when I was uh, growing up, and when I went through this more difficult um, age of you know puberty and so on, um, I became more and more into Wolverine because um, he was you know reflecting that always annoyed, pissed off part of my own personality. <laughs> 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 that really resonated with, with me back in the day and I, I 
to to be really honest still resonates with me <laughs> and also the um the fact that he's just um so much more authentic than than most superheroes you know they're just um you know just way too perfect sometimes like you know um not 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 as relatable because they they almost you know some of them have barely any flaws uh and and wolverine is just full of flaws and and that makes him so relatable i think Oh, that's wonderful. Like, uh, thank you for that insight. It's, it's, it's so wonderful to hear from you, you know, even, even the, the huge strong man, you know, still being scared by this, you know, when you're little and, um, I feel you because that, yeah. that was me. I was a few years older and that was me hiding behind the couch with the Hulk as well. So I, I totally get you on that one. <laughs> you got it all. Good old Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> and that was actually the origin of my fascination with bodybuilding as well. So Lou Ferrigno was with Arnold together, was one of the, you know, iconic bodybuilders of the golden age of bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think like, so the, these two things uh, have been with me since then, uh, the fascination for, you know, having um, way too much muscle on your body <laughs> than, than you actually need. Um, and the fascination for, uh, you know, comic book stories. Oh, that's wonderful. Makes total sense. <laughs> so everyone's heard of um, heroes such as Superman, Batman, and of course, the Incredible Hulk. Uh, these characters have stood the test of time and, you know, they've become recognized throughout our society. And comic books, you know, themselves are largely viewed as, you know, a wholesome form of entertainment. And they can also actually explore some very deep themes and shine a light on society from a different angle. So how important is it to you to have these fictional characters in our lives, you know, to have someone to look up to and to have that, um, that escapism, you know, we can, we can delve into their world and escape for a while. For me, that was a very important part of, um, you know, of my life. It's, uh, and, and it's actually the, um, so these stories serve many different, uh, you know, functions. But uh, one of the functions that was always very uh, central to me was actually the the escapism that they um, give you, because you know these heroes they face some some kind of darkness um, that might resemble something that you're you know some demon that you, you you are fighting in your personal life, and they have the power to you know do things that we as individuals we can't right so so it's very cathartic to uh, you know be able to basically have a simulation of the problems that you have in your own life. But in this simulation, the, the problems really get, you know, um, resolved and, and, and the problems get, uh, you know, defeated in form of a villain or, or whatever it is. Um, so I think that's, you know, and, and it's not only comic books, it's basically a storytelling um, 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 overall. Like for me, it's video games are a part of that too. I've always also been a, complete uh, video game nerd so um, and, and that was way before uh, you know being uh, being a gamer was was mainstream I mean today everybody plays something but but back in the day I was just like you know in, in, in my classroom I was the only guy who was playing video games and everyone would think that's strange dude <laughs> what is he doing um, yeah so um so so for me that was always you know um if you know a little bit about my backstory, um, you know that um, very early on, I've like experienced a lot of you know chaos and 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 um, and stuff that uh, as a child you don't really want to experience. So having this other world, this you know fantasy world where I could escape to, 
and I could, you know, um, basically have have these experiences or watch some heroes have these experiences and and take, you know, just just take a little vacation from from the harsh reality that that we um, sometimes live in. Um, that that was huge for me. So um, and and that's part uh, of of the reason that I've been always thinking about. Um, knowing how much power that had for me, always thinking about how I could use that kind of power to, you know, further um, what I was doing as an athlete and as an activist, um, you know, the, the message that I was trying to basically um, bring to the world as an athlete and as an activist, how I could probably combine that with that other love of mine. Um, and Earthraiser is basically the, the outcome of that. It's awesome. Well, you know, all things considered, you are the perfect person to be bringing us a, a new generation of superheroes. So, you know, is that something that you ever really imagined, you know, would, would become a reality actually writing your own comic story? Um, not really, actually. So, so um, I, I've been planning to um, do something with storytelling for quite a long time. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about that in the, in the campaign video on Kickstarter as well. Um, so that's like, um, that's something that I've been thinking about for the last at least five years, but um, but um, I wasn't uh, imagining a, a comic story. I was actually imagining more a film or maybe a book or something. I knew I wanted to tell a story, but I didn't know exactly what medium I wanted to use for that. Um, and then when I had this idea uh, that came to me in, uh, in, in in the sleepless night in a hotel room, basically, that's that's just six months ago where, you know, it really hit me um, what I could use um, to, to, to make everything work. Um, at that point, I was imagining a film. I was, so I, when I was writing it in, in that hotel room uh, that night, I was writing an outline to a film. Um, and that stayed that way for several months. So I was working on it and I was trying to, you know, give it more structure and, and make it work. Um, and, and always, you know, working towards a screenplay until just, um, I think like two months ago or so, where uh, I realized that, hey, I knew this guy, and that's David, the, the artist who is, um, um, who is doing all the artwork uh, in, in Earthraiser. So, so David contacted me last year and his idea was, uh, well, if, if um, I, I would be up for it, we could do just basically a comic book story about me. So it was, you know, his idea was not about, you know, making a new hero. It was basically, let's turn you into a comic book hero. Um, and that was cool. And we played around with that idea, but it didn't really go anywhere until, you know, two months ago um, where I all of a sudden thought, wait a minute, it, it is going to be really hard to sell this story as a film because, you know, in, in, in these days, if you want to make a really, you know, a success, successful film, especially for that kind of story, um, that's going to cost a lot of money. So I was just, you know, thinking, how am I going to put this into reality? This is going to be really hard. And then if I want to work with a big production company or a big publisher, they're going to take away a lot of the power from me. And then mm -hmm. I didn't want to lose the power over the story because for me, the story is very personal uh, and, and it's supposed to basically do something that is um, very dear to my heart uh, outside in the world. So I was afraid, you know, if I work with some, some big company, then it might turn out to be something completely different than I was intending. So I didn't want to make this happen. So 
so my idea was, wait a second, I know this guy, he wants to make a comic and we can easily, you know, convert this into something that will work in a comic book. Um, and that's when we started working on it. And uh, we've been working for, yeah, at least the last four weeks, we've been working with a crazy, uh, crazy uh, amount of effort every day on it. And uh, I'm so super happy to, to now um, be able to, to, to give it to the world and see how people react to it. We also had to postpone it for um, quite a few times. We postponed it for, for a week. Um, it was intended to come out two weeks ago. Then we postponed it um, because I wasn't quite happy with where we were. And then um, because of um, Black Lives Matter and, and because of what's happening in the US and out of solidarity for that and because I didn't want to come out with something huge just a week ago when, and when that was something that, that was you know in the center of attention uh, in the general public, I didn't want to take away from that. So out of respect for, for, for what's happening there, um, I thought I'm going to postpone this for another week. Um, and so now we're here and, and I've been waiting for this for quite some time now. <laughs> so, so I'm really excited to, to, to see, um, you know, what kind of dynamic this is going to uh, have once it's out of our hands and people are going to, you know, do stuff with it that is not under our control. Well, that's brilliant, you know. So obviously it's been, yeah, a long thing coming. And um, I suppose that's when a dream is coming to fruition and it's taken so long to get there, you know. Um, good on you for, you know, taking the time, you know, to respect what's going on and, you know, what's another couple of weeks when, you, you know, that dream is coming on the horizon. And even if it is, you know, the blueprint, the, you know, the manuscript for the film later down the track, hopefully we'll get you all uh, closer to that. And yeah, I'd, I'd love to see it in a film format, you know, um, Earthraiser, you know, it, it's absolutely brilliant um, from what we can see in the, the sort of previews at the moment. Um, but it's a, it seems to be a real wake-up call uh, in encouraging people to feel empathy uh, for both uh, vegans and non-vegans. What kind of world is it uh, set in? Yeah, so um, my, my, the, the basic idea about it was, um, and, and this goes back right to, you know, like four years, five years ago when I was thinking about how I could write a story that would open people's eyes for what's happening uh, to animals, because that's literally what's uh, what's going on for, for for a big portion of the public, people don't really think about what's happening to animals. So it's usually most people are not um, you know indifferent. It's not that like when I think of myself uh, before I went vegan and before that before I went vegetarian, um, it, it was not that. You know, I, I was rescuing animals, I was rescuing wildlife, putting a lot of time and energy into try, uh, trying to help these animals. And at the same time, I was eating other animals. And I didn't really, you know, I was just um, not really making the connection that there was something wrong with that. So the idea to write a story for me was, I want to reach people who are at that stage where I was back then and just give them a story that opens their eyes for, you know, what's what's happening and then ideally maybe gets them on a track to get to where I am now. Um, that was, that was the idea. So, and, and my, and, uh, my idea how to do that, um, was initially, well, if the animals could, could talk, uh, or if someone could talk to them, then that would, you know, th th then that, that someone could basically tell us what they go through and, and could serve as a medium basically, uh, to get that message from the animals themselves to us. 
But then I thought about that idea and, and every time I was trying to make it work, I thought, no, this is Dr. Doolittle. So like, <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, this doesn't, you know, it, it didn't really cut it. Uh, and the actual revelation that I had in that night in the hotel room was just basically, wait a second, it is not about talking. What it's really about is, is the suffering that is going on. And for that, you don't have to talk to the animals. If you were in some kind of, you know, magical or scientific situation, you know, um, that uh, causes you to feel the actual suffering that is happening to the animals, but then also to humans, to, to basically everyone around you, because I wanted to make the story as inclusive as possible. So, so I didn't want to make another, um, you know, I didn't want the message to become an, another um, um, campaign that is focusing just on the animals. I wanted to, you know, make this as, as, as inclusive and, 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 and broad as possible. So I thought, well, there are humans suffering everywhere as well. So um, if there was someone who was trapped in a situation where he would feel all of that pain, um, and, and then I, I thought, well, nobody could survive that. So that's got to be a superhero. And that got me excited because I thought, whoa, a superhero story is way more, way more awesome than, than just a story. So, you know, that's, it started to snowball from there on. Um, and uh, that's why I couldn't, you know, I couldn't go back to sleep. So I just basically spent the whole night. Um, you know, the, the, the video uh, that you see in the campaign video, the, that footage is not from that night. Um, I, I had bigger post-its to write the story on. That was just for entertainment and, and presentation purposes. It was um, great yeah, imagery, though. Just, yeah. so, so to be completely honest, I didn't have a post-it at all. I just sat down and just basically typed everything into my phone. Um, and I, I had a list that was just basically like this of 20 different things that came to my mind in that night. And most of them I just kept and you know, worked uh, um, upon them to to build this whole uh, world and story. But to get back to the initial question, so to, so to make that kind of thing work where I want to open people's eyes, you can't have a world that is too fantastic. So there are fantastic, you know, comic-y things happening uh, in the story, but nothing that is happening is, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to basically have a world that resembles ours with the same kind of rules and, the, you know, the governments are the same and the political problems and, and, and uh, um, dynamics are the same. Um, but And the fantastic uh, elements are always um, grounded on some kind of science or, well, pseudoscience. So I'm trying to make them at least be believable so that you don't have the feeling that you're just, you know... Um, just watching just a fantasy film that has nothing to do with our own reality because I want people to make that connection. Yeah, like I, for me, I love those sort of fantasy worlds, um, yeah, which are sort of grounded in a slight realism because um, for me personally, I'm a huge Warhammer nerd and so they do the whole grim darkness thing where a lot of it's based on historical stuff, but it's removed, but then there's still those elements and yeah, just brilliant for bringing in that connection. So, um, yeah, I can't wait to find out more about it. Oh, definitely. We were talking about it today, actually, you know, in, in that, um, you know, integrating things with, with the real world today and, you know, back with the with the comic books, with the with the Batman and, you know, the, the bad guys, the Joker, the Riddler and the Penguin, all of those, they're all, they just, stuck, you know, stuck out like sore thumbs. They had, you know, 
quirky costumes and basically like, here I am, come get me kind of thing, you know, and, and the real world's not like that. The, the bad guys are everywhere. They're hiding, you know, they're among, you know, it's not just one big bad guy kind of thing. It, it goes much deeper than that. And so, you know, I think it's, it's great that um, we really do need a, a new generation of superheroes. So it's, it's brilliant. I'm really excited as well. So, and I love the, um, the idea how you, you took a, the idea of a vegan superhero, but you know, you didn't just make him like Popeye, just, you know, this is about my diet. I have lots of spinach, you know, um, the, the concept of suffering is, is so huge, you know, and, and once you understand that suffering as vegans, it makes you look at everything differently. So, um, you know, I can't wait to see how many people's eyes this opens. Um, Actually, one thing that, that, that I like to add is um, another thing that was uh, very important to me is, um, because you mentioned, you know, the Joker and 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 classic, basically uh, superhero stories, and and also uh, that that uh, goes for classic fantasy stories as well. You most, you know, often you have um, in the classic sense a very clear distinction between good and evil, like black and white, and that's not what's happening in the world. In, in the world, that distinction goes through a every individual so you some you know you have aspects that are good and then you have aspects that are not very helpful and you know everyone has strengths and flaws um i know what i'm talking about <laughs> so, so um so um i try to uh, have that in the story as well so there will be no you know super super evil villain or or anything there will be adversaries and i made them powerful like um in the beginning of the story the main adversary or uh, the, the first adversary that we get to know is Agent D. And if you watch the video, uh, you're going to probably uh, uh, notice that I tried to make her as badass as possible. So she's, she's actually the most powerful character uh, so far from what I present to people. Um, and, and that was on purpose. So she, she's very powerful and she's a threat in the beginning, but she's not just evil. And you also cannot uh, rely on the fact that, um, you know, the, the, bad guys are going to stay bad guys until forever it might you know there might be some switching and some of the friends might turn into you know a problem and then some of the bad guys might actually uh, turn out to be helpful who knows <laughs> the suspense is killing me already <laughs> i love how the, the the you know the biggest badass at the moment that you've revealed at least is female as well it's like oh i like this guy even more already you know <laughs> That's just, uh, as, I, as I say in the video, I took a lot of my autobi uh, autobiographic um, experiences and the baddest uh, person that I have ever known in, in my whole life uh, with, with really, you know, an incredible amount of strength was my mom, uh, who just um, passed away uh, um, just a few weeks ago. Um, and um, so, so I, I know so many strong women. Um, so it was, for, for me, it was not, it was not about, I want to have a strong female character, but it, but it was, you know, I know how badass women can be, so I want to have that in the story. Oh, that's awesome! I bet she would love that too. <laughs> so, um, but creative projects like um, Earthraiser show how the world is changing right now, and you've mentioned how you want to create a cultural shift and hopefully change millions of hearts and minds through this uh, narrative. Is it your hope that people will recognize the suffering around them through, you know, going through and reading this? Um, yeah, um, so, so uh, actually um, a lot of the story and a, a lot of uh, what, what the actual idea is about 
is about um, how to reach your normal, uh, you know, uh, person who, who goes into a, a theater and has actually nothing to do with uh, veganism, probably doesn't even know anything about, you know, the vegan lifestyle, probably actually has a lot of um, um, misconceptions about it. And uh, it's just someone who, um, who, who doesn't think a lot about, about um, you know, that alternative to live a life that is just less harmful to, um, you know, our uh, animal um, our fe fellow animal beings. So um, I wanted to reach those people because, I mean, of course, it's great to write a story that is going to make vegans feel good. That's awesome. I mean, I love the vegan movement and I, I get so much love out of it. So it would be great. But uh, my, my actual, you know, bigger goal in, in that sense is to create change. And I can't create change just by tapping vegans on the shoulder and saying, well, you're doing great so that that's already happening we, we have you know we have vegan superheroes already but and they're doing exactly that and that's great like i, I see sometimes uh, some of them on um, on some vegan events and and people are having fun and that's absolutely awesome but my goal was to reach out to all these other people um and for that th that's actually the reason why it is not a core um uh part of the character that he's vegan um He's going to be vegan because if you feel the pain of you know everyone around you, you you can't eat meat. That's that's not gonna work. It, it, it's gonna completely spoil uh, you know everything that would motivate you to 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 do that. So so he's of course not going to um, um, be um, consuming animal products. But that's not the core concept. The core concept um, was I wanted a, a character that is like the non-vegan viewer. So, and, and then he is, he is going to stop consuming animals and I'm going to have that in the story. So, so that's going to be a part, you know, it's going to be told that that's the case, but it's going to be because this curse that he has opened his eyes and because he realizes, wow, this is terrible. I cannot, you know, I cannot participate in that. And he has no choice then to, you know, to not consume animals and to care about them and to start liberating them and so on. Um, it's just, he's forced to do that. Um, and so, so the idea is, I, ideally, if I don't do a completely shitty job as a storyteller, <laughs> I'm going to, in the beginning, establish the character in a way that if you're a viewer, you're going to identify with him and you're going to care about what's happening to him. Then you're going to feel his pain when he gets in that situation. And then when he starts making decisions based on that pain, you're going to probably start to think, hmm, this doesn't actually feel, you know, it, it kind of makes sense. So, so that's my basic idea. I, ideally, I would want to see someone go out of the theater or um, go out of reading the book and thinking, hmm, there's something to this. And, you know, and then probably they, they wouldn't have to, you know, I, I, it's, it's not about brainwashing them into going vegan. It's about making them think about some things that we usually ignore. Um, and then another thing is, another thing you can do to, to do that is basically what a lot of um, animal rights organizations do and uh, some, uh, you know, covert uh, activism does with, uh, you know, going into, um, uh, going into facilities and, and filming what's happening and then showing that to people. But the problem is, uh, because our, our, uh, um, our psyche is not really built to take that much, um, um, 
you know, stress, uh, uh, basically, a lot of people just just watch the other way and don't really want to see that. So in this story, because I'm making it, you know, I'm putting the story into a fantastic world and making it about superheroes and so on. That is kind of a nice um, packaging to get that very, you know, powerful, but also hurtful message to people who would normally not watch these videos, uh, those gruesome videos that, you know, uh, you, you can get um, in the internet that show the actual truth in the world. So by, you know, the, the whole reason to put this in, into that package is just um, to give it to people in, in, in a digestible form so that hopefully um, they, they, they are going to get the same effect, um, but, but in a way that they can uh, handle it psychologically. Yeah, it's a great tactic. I mean, different things resonate with different people, as we all know. And uh, I think it's great. I mean, already I know of uh, several non-vegans that I'm thinking there's a Christmas present for you this year and there's a Christmas present for you, you know. <laughs> um, and you and David, you know, David Padilla, um, he is you know, obviously a, a great team, you know, fantastic uh, team from what I've seen so far. I love his artwork. And um you know, even just the the cover of, of Earthraiser for me, that's, you know, that's not normally my kind of thing. And it just makes me think, yeah, I just love the look of it. Can't wait to, you know, just uh, see more of it. Stop the podcast. We would like to take a moment to give a shout out to one of our partners, VFC. VFC makes some great tasting food that doesn't cost a wing and a leg. They take fresh, wholesome plants, work some magic, then deep fry them to create vegan fried chicken. All the taste without the suffering. No chickens are harmed in the making of VFC ever. Head on over to vfc.co.uk to get yours today. Now back to the podcast. Are we right as well in spotting this cheeky little reference to a certain wee green leaf on the cover? <laughs> that is David. That is David. Why we're talking about him. Uh, that is, yeah, that, that's, um, that was, it, it was actually a joke. He, 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 he sent the cover to me uh, without the leaf. And then he sent that version with the leaf to me. And I just looked at it and I thought, no, this is, this is too good to not do it. <laughs> because, you know, it is, it is absolutely absurd because he's in a situation where he's, he's obviously in distress. He's chained to this metal globe. Um, and now th this is act an actual scene from the beginning of the book where he's going to be in a secret uh, military prison and they in, in, uh, he's going to be interrogated because um, he, had this, um, he had this attack while on a mission and agency had to apprehend him and, and uh, get him um, uh, to that prison. And she just basically wants to know what is happening and why he hurt his two friends and um, while they were trying to get him under control. And um, there's this whole interrogation going and it's a pretty uncomfortable situation for him and then you have that thing <laughs> so it's, it's absolutely absurd but that's why I loved it so much um and uh, I just I just said just keep it and and um right now I'm still thinking about making it an actual thing about him that he's just basically always going to walk around with uh and and, <laughs> and because I'm trying to give him some features uh, that, that he shares with me um when I was a child uh, my favorite drink was um, was uh, spearmint syrup, 
I don't even know if that's a thing anywhere outside of uh, Iran where I'm, you know, born and, and uh, uh, when I sp where I spent my uh, childhood. So it's basically um, spearmint syrup, and then you can uh, just put that into water, just, you know, um, uh, um, to, to flavor water with it. And that was my favorite drink as, uh, as a child. So I'm thinking about having him just chew on some spearmint, just, you know, all the time, even if he's in, in, in you know, a fighting situation or something uh, and, and everything is burning around him, he would still have that little bit of thing. But I can't guarantee that's going to make it into the story, but we're thinking about it. <laughs> Superhero and he's always got fresh breath as well. What more can you want? <laughs> yeah, that's it. I love it. <laughs> Well, you yourself, um, and you've even touched on this before, you know, um, you said was already like a hero to many, you know, and even the previous um, comic, you know, making you into the, the superhero. Um, now you've created one yourself, you know, it um, must be exciting to see uh, Wolf, the protagonist, to come to life, you know. How alike are you two? I would say um, there are a lot of parallels, but I, I know that Wolf would disagree because he, he would think I'm a total idiot and completely useless. So, so, so he's basically, if, if, I, if I was in a world where all those superheroes that I grew up with, uh, if I was in that world, I would imagine or I would like to be like Wolf. So, so he's basically something that I would think, you know, um, would be, that I would play as a character in a video game or something, a simulation. So, um, and it's obvious that I, you know, would create him in, in, in such a way, but I gave him some, some parallels to myself. And the reason that I did that was um, because I wanted to make the story also authentic. And uh, it's always so much easier to write about stuff that you feel yourself. Um, and, and because I had this very kind of, um, you know, um, <laughs> um, my life was so, you know, so crazy and I've seen so many things in my life. There's a huge repertoire of stuff that I can take from there and I can just uh, put on him. Like one of the uh, parallels is, for instance, um, he's, he's losing his dad in a, in a bombardment um, in, uh, in a war situation. Now, um, in, in the story, I'm going to spoil a little bit, but it's not really a spoiler because that's going to be basically something you read on the first page. So it's, it's not really spoiling too much. Uh, in the first page, you see him as a child and you see how he loses his dad because, you know, that trauma explains a lot of the flaws that he actually has and a lot of the problems that he has um, that he has to overcome later on. Um, and um, that situation with the bombardment is something that I have experienced, but that happened. That, that is not something that happened to me. So the parallel to me is I lost my dad when I was early, uh, when I was uh, when I was a child. Um, but um, the bombardment thing actually happened to a neighbor of us. And I actually, um, so, so there was a bombardment uh, and I was outside. Um, and the only thing that I saw from that is that our, um, so that was a neighbor that lived um, on the opposite side of the street. Um, and their, um, their father um, worked at an oil refinery um, very close to where we were. And those oil refineries are always um, strategic uh, targets. So every time there was a bombardment, there would be a huge fear that they would try to hit that refinery. So the whole family was on the on the rooftop, and just trying to see if you know what 
if, if the refinery is going to be hit. And what I saw, the only thing I could see was their reaction to when it happened. So, you know, you, you feel that terrible, terrible thing where the one part of it is just sound. It's the most terrible sound that you can imagine. The, the ground shakes. And then all you see is basically a nervous breakdown of a whole family um, seeing their, um, their father die in a bombardment right in front, uh, in front of their eyes. And that's the most terrible thing that I can remember from war. It's, so it's, it's not really, you know, um, about that the, the, the terror that I had because I thought we were going to be hit. It was seeing other people, you know, seeing someone they love just, just you know, go up in flames in, in, in front of them. And, um, and that's, I, I put that into the story because that's the most powerful and the most terrible uh, um, thing that I uh, took with me from, from that part of my life. Uh, and I gave the character that as basically the core of his motivation that he gets into the military himself and he wants to do the right thing. But he's also kind of a tragic uh, hero in a sense that he turns into, he, he basically turns into the violence that took his dad and he becomes a soldier instead of kind of being anti-war, he, he becomes um, um, war himself, basically. And, but, but he's going to also always be struggling with himself because he realizes that that's the case. Um, and, um, but he's still trying to do the right thing. So he's going to be very torn and uh, that's going to make the story interesting. Yeah. Hopefully. Definitely. It's, oh, yeah, I, I just can't wait to read it. I really can't, you know, it just sounds so powerful in, in so many ways. And, you know, I can see, we all know how compassionate you are, but, you know, hearing what you've witnessed and, and gone through in so many ways, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's not hard to see how and, and why you are the wonderful compassionate soul that you are. Um, the um, official title for Earthraiser is also uh, Voice for the Voiceless, which, um, you know, I love. And having uh wolf you know yes he's partly you you know or a, a good part of you but also having to having had the pleasure of creating this character as well um what do you like most about him <laughs> hmm that's a very tricky question because um up to this point um i i as, as I said, I have a problematic relationship with him because he, he's not too fond of me. So, <laughs> so I never asked myself what I really like about him because that puts me in a vulnerable situation because I know he just, he's just not a fan of mine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think what I really like about him is um, that um, he, he, he does a lot of stuff that is not really in line or or we as a as a viewer are going to see that he's doing things that don't make sense but he's not doing it ignorantly he he knows a lot about his own flaws so he he really um and and that's a huge part of how how he struggles because he sees the you know the the darker aspects of himself he can see that and he struggles with um you know how to resolve that that's actually one of the reasons that he has this uh, complex of thinking he doesn't actually deserve to live. And that's also a part why he, you know, gets himself, you know, he's a soldier, special ops, gets himself into situations where he's actually just waiting to die. 
because he thinks I, I shouldn't be here. It's it, there's there's no point of me being here, um, and that's because he sees all these da darker aspects of his soul. Um, and I think that's really what I like the most about him because that makes him, um, you know, so so likable to uh, to me. Although he just hates me. <laughs> See, I knew it was a good question. I said to Gareth, I want to ask Patrick that. He said, you can't ask him that. I said, no, I want to know what he likes about him. So I'm glad it I asked. It was a tricky question, though. I had to think a little bit. Most, and most times uh, when I get a question, I, I have a good answer uh, right away. But I had to think about this. <laughs> You've always believed in the power of story, uh, storytelling to bring the best parts of humanity to the surface. These are such valuable and encouraging words, especially for those who aren't necessarily able to take part in protests or vigils or similar kind of animal activist um, demonstrations. What advice would you give to other creative souls out there who could potentially use their talents to help the cause? You know, there's a lot of creatives, a lot of people, yeah, as I say, you know, might not be able to do these other things. Do you have any advice for those folk, you know, to use their talents? Yeah, I, I really think uh, everyone has some some tool in their uh, you know uh, toolbox of um, abilities and and skills and and uh, um, things that um, that that they you know just just powers that they uh, have that they can use for good uh, and and sometimes uh, I think what what's holding most people back uh, in 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 a lot of cases is that um, they think well. Yeah, I can't, like, someone is really talented uh, in, in, in drawing, for instance, and they think, yeah, but, but what, what's that? I can't save someone's life by drawing. Well, that's a mistake because, you know, if you can draw something that is very powerful and that could influence someone, and then that someone can probably have a very different skill set and, 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 and he could do something just because he was influenced by, you know, it's, it's a domino effect. So... A small thing can always lead to a huge thing, um, and like for me, I think a big part of uh, um, of what kind of set the groundwork for me to later on be able to, uh, you know, kind of get behind the concept of um, animal equality for me was um, that I watched uh, the Planet of the Apes movies, for instance, as as a child. And uh, what the classic Planet of the Apes movies, what they do is uh, they opened my eyes to the nonsense of something that we, you know, very automatically um, think is true, namely that humans are something special and different from animals. We have a soul, they don't. Uh, and, you know, that's what religious people would say. And even if you're not religious, you would still kind of have this automatic notion that, you know, we're somehow different from other animals. And when I watched these films as a child, I just thought, well, they're just switching roles in that film. And then when Dr. Zayas in the film says, yeah, but uh, um, if, if, if humans, uh, you know, are like apes, so, so basically just switching roles, um, how come they don't have a soul? And it's complete nonsense. Because, and you're watching that and you realize, wait a second, that, that is nonsense. But if you turn it around, it's still nonsense. It's, it's, you know, it doesn't get better when, when a human says it. Um, so that was just someone's idea. And they wrote a story. It was a novel. And then out of that novel, they made the films out of, you know, based on that story. So I think everyone who you know, has some way to create things, uh, it can be art, it can be stories, it can be a song or you know, just draw something. 
or um, like what I started doing when I was an athlete. Just you know, it wasn't it wasn't sophisticated or anything. I was just you know, I always said, uh, almost said a meathead. <laughs> I was just just someone just lifting heavy things up and putting them down. There was nothing you know um, sophisticated about that. But I, I went vegetarian, which had nothing to do with what I was doing. And I thought, well, I'm doing good as a vegetarian and I feel great. I can just use my sport just to show that you don't have to eat meat and, and you can still be strong. And there was nothing, as I said, there was, there was nothing sophisticated about it. But now, almost a decade or, or more than a decade later, um, it, I know that I've influenced millions of people's lives. And, and that's, that's great, but it still goes back to a very little thing, very little uh, um, decision that I made. So, so really that sense of powerlessness that we sometimes have because we think, well, I'm just one human being in this huge world of you know, billions of people. What can I do when the problems are so huge? No, um, you know, there's, there's this domino effect. And then also if you do something you're going to basically be a magnet for, for other people and, and for um, uh, other souls out there who are going to be like-minded. And then together you can build uh, networks and, you know, like David and I, you can just start collaborating and then you can make something absolutely awesome. Like the comic, I am absolutely talent, like absolutely talent free in when it comes to drawing things. So I could have never visualized my story in that way um and um, together with david i was it was possible so so now all of a sudden uh, we when we work together we can create something that none of us could have done uh, on their own so you know every single one of us have has the power to to you know change everything Definitely. No, it's brilliant advice. Thank you. And um, yeah, I can definitely vouch to that, you know, before I found my voice sort of sitting up here and, and talking to, to you, you know, I was quite shy and so, but I, I could write. So that was how I got into it was, um, so yeah, we, we really completely believe in the power of, of you know, creative activism and, and it's just brilliant. Um, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't be a chat if we didn't uh, mention the game changers and, and you sort of led quite nicely into that, you know, saying about how you have really influenced millions of people. I mean, you know, I don't think there's anybody that hasn't, you know, obviously we knew of you before game changers, but for people that didn't, it was brilliant. It made us feel really smug because we were like, we know you're going to watch this movie and you're going to see this guy and he's just going to blow you out of the water, you know, because you're not going to be able to say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're wussy little, you know, pasty weak things as vegans. So, so it's been brilliant, you know, throughout your career, you've, um, you've proven that time and time again, how, uh, how strong vegans can be. Um, do you hope with, with the comic book that that will just, you know, keep on taking that image further still? Um, I don't think of it in, in that way because um, um, I, I don't see Wolf as, as someone who does what I do. So, so while I intentionally basically um, uh, try to turn myself into a tool for, for the vegan movement, which they could use to uh, basically show to people, well, look, look it's, it's not a problem because this guy is doing you know, all these things and he's, you know, he's able to do it as a vegan. Um, I, I did that intentionally. Wolf uh, is, is um, you know, he's not going to be an activist in that regard. There's going to be a movement 
building around him and and the, the basically the vegan and the animal rights movement are going to connect with him because you know obviously if you have this guy you know liberating animals everywhere they're going to notice so and we were going to tell that in the story and that's you know where i hope to you know give some um you know give something back to the movement and and make f people feel good about that for for instance a part of that is also that i reached out to some vegan activists that i know um, that uh, i offered to have a cameo in the story so they're basically going to appear at some point in the story uh, and they're going to be people from real life one of them is um conscious muscle um jordan of conscious muscle um so, so he's the the character of of jordan who is a friend of um of wolves um is based on him uh and then another character is just a friend of mine uh, thomas faber who is based on thomas faber a friend of mine um also a strength athlete uh, vegan strength athlete uh, here from from berlin so um there's going to be that uh but uh, but wolf himself is just going to do these things because he's forced by by his you know uh a thing that he has um and then all of that stuff is just going to happen around him so that's very different from what i did because what I did was intentional. There was always an evil plan that I had. <laughs> so I, I knew exactly what I was doing when I started, you know, uh, telling everyone that I'm vegan. And uh, because I was vegetarian before that. So you have to keep in mind, uh, when I made the decision to go vegan, that happened after I won the title of Germany's Strongest Man as a Vegetarian. And that's when I realized that, um, you know, I was, um, you know, I, I was getting a lot of media attention. And then I was getting feedback from people saying, well, this is so great because you, I saw you on TV and you were talking about all these things and that resonates with me. But I was always afraid to express myself that way because I was afraid to be laughed at by my peers. So that's obviously, you know, a young guy. Um, but now when the strongest guy in the country talks like that, I can talk like that. So I kind of, you know, emboldened them to express the, the more vulnerable parts of, uh, of their personality. And I thought that was beautiful. Um, so I thought, this is great. But at that point, I already knew that, um, you know, wanting to reduce animal suffering, being vegetarian doesn't really, you know, cut it. So, you know, you're still consuming all these animal products. So you're still contributing to this industry that hurts animals. So, um, so I thought, well, if I'm in such a powerful position now, I should do a better job. I was just, you know, really trying to use that position to uh, kind of um, um, be a better role model. And that was why I went vegan uh, in, in the end of 2011. Um, and then everything I did from that point, I was, I knew exactly what I was doing. And I was trying to accomplish this thing where I was trying to just open as many people's minds and, 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 and eyes as possible. So yeah, uh, and Wolves is not like that. Because as a character, I mean, um, that's great to be a person like like that in real life. I feel comfortable in my own skin, but that's a boring character. You know, I wouldn't want to buy a book about myself. I'm, I don't know, I'm I'm not having great adventures in my you know in my normal personal in my in my in my uh, everyday life. So you want to have a character that is a little bit more, uh, you know, you know, a, a little little more tragedy and 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 there there's got to be a little more happening inside the character i'm too boring for that both's gonna be way more interesting <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure we would beg to differ but okay we'll take your word for it <laughs>
So uh, one of our favorite lines from you is, my strength is my compassion. We feel like this embodies everything you do and everything you inspire. And would you say that this is an underlying message in Earthraiser? It is exactly the core idea, basically. So, so I was, um, and I, I didn't realize it when I was doing it in the, in, in the beginning. But when I was done with the outline of the story, I just realized that he was the embodiment of that message. Uh, because what he, you know, his curse is basically um, an extreme form of uh, compassion. Um, he, he has no choice but to feel the pain of everyone around him. Um, and that's, you know, compassion basically means that when we see someone suffer, we, we're mirroring that. And there's actually, there's, there's literally a, a biological basis to that. It's um, something called mirror neurons. Um, and what, what's happening is we feel the pain when we see someone in distress, we feel that actually ourselves because our brain is making a simu an internal simulation of what we're seeing and we feel it like it's our pain. That's the reason why a lot of people don't want to watch these gruesome uh, videos online because it's just too much for them to, to, to take, uh, too hurtful. So um, now we can, of, of course, discuss why people should still watch them, but, uh, but, but that's the reason why, why they don't, why a lot of people don't. Um, so, so what he has is just an extreme form of that. Um, and, and that's basically compassion taken to, you know, superpower level and, um, his superpower is compassion. Yeah. You can say that. That's awesome. No, it's, it's definitely one of my favorite lines, I think. And, um, you know, hopefully one day you will also find your way into, into a, a, your own superhero movie, be it as Wolverine or who, you know, whoever you decide you want to be. <laughs> In the meantime, how can we support your amazing product? Um, project. Where do people need to go? Yeah, so so Earthraiser right now is on uh, is on Kickstarter, and we're trying to uh, get. Uh, so, so our um, base goal is to get uh, twelve thousand euros to just basically uh, print uh, a limited uh, edition of it, and and, and then um, go from there and see um, that this there's going to be more than just that limited edition. But but that's just basically. Uh, the, the starting point. Um, so you you can support us via going to the um, Earthraiser page on uh, Kickstarter. Uh, you can, you know, if, if you can, you can contribute, of course, but you can also just share it with your friends. Um, there's actually a lot of ways to just basically give us more visibility because the idea around this is not just to tell this story, but ideally if, if I'm lucky and we get this to kind of... Um, you know, be successful, we can maybe even inspire other um, artists and, and other writers in the genre to incorporate a little bit more of this part of, uh, you know, of our world into their stories. Because there's so many superheroes and you see so little animal rights in these stories. Uh, and I think that that's really stupid of, of, of the industry to do that because, um, I know what what's going on. I, it might be just that some people in uh, you know in who who actually are the decision decision makers might think, oh wait a second, I know, I don't want to, uh, I I don't want this thing to look like there's angry vegans <laughs> behind it, uh, because that's going to probably you know uh, uh, turn off my other readers. Uh, but the point is, you don't have to do that. So so what I want to show is you can talk about animal. Uh, animal suffering and animal rights 
outside of even thinking about the vegan movement or the animal rights movement, because at the end of the day, you know, I love the fact that the movement exists. I love everyone who puts, you know, so much of their soul into uh, trying to make the world better, but it's not about us. It's about the animals. And if you, and what I'm trying to accomplish with this story is I want to make it about, uh, about the animals. Um, I don't want to make it about the movement. So, and when you do that, um, everyone is, I, I, I think that everyone is going to like that. And like the planets of the, uh, of the apes is an absolute iconic uh, um, uh, um, cult status uh, um, a product of pop culture. Everybody knows uh, the classic films. And, um, and nobody would think, oh, there are probably angry vegans behind it <laughs> writing that story. Because it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's about the problem. It's not uh, about us people who are trying to solve that problem in the real world. So hopefully it's going to probably inspire some, some people who are more talented than I am. And they're going to write a story that's going to be way better. And then everything's going to be great. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this interview. We hope you found it informative and entertaining. To learn more about Patrick's comic, check out earthraiser.com as it's now out of Kickstarter and on the market. Vegan for the animals. Follow us on our social media platforms for future episodes. This has been Vegan FDA. Vegan for the animals. <laughs>